I'm, I'm very lucky to have a really great team around me. And that's the key, I think, to everything we're trying to do. It's never because one person as a CEO is, is great or not so great. It's always about the contributions that managers and leaders and the exec code as a whole can, can make. From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Barbara Brown, a partner at Positive Momentum. I'm delighted to be joined today by Josh Levy. Beginning his career in the investment banking division of Investec Bank, Josh then worked at Tavistock Group. In 2015, aged 25, he became a non-executive director of Mitchells and Butlers, a FTSE 250 PLC with more than 1,700 pubs and restaurants around Britain. Josh is currently the chief executive officer at Ultimate Finance. The specialist asset-based lender offers flexible funding solutions to a wide range of UK businesses and forms part of the world-renowned Tavistock Group. So let's get started, Josh. Welcome and good afternoon. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks for having me. So why did you become a CEO? Great question. Probably you've touched upon my background and how I got to where, where I got to, but I think probably the important part is um, you mentioned age. So I was 28 years old when I became the CEO of Ultimate um, back in February 2019. So it, it definitely wasn't the culmination of a lifelong desire to be a CEO, nor was it really um, a reward for decades of achievement within a particular business or industry. So it wasn't a natural step, I guess, you'd, you'd, you'd argue. Um, and it wouldn't be right to sit here and say that equally I didn't have the ambition to one day be the person at the top of an organisation, um, having responsibility and the influence to, to shape strategy, be the ultimate decision maker, and I guess fundamentally be challenged in a way that no other role does. And you know, my perception of what a CEO is and should be is it's all about making a difference to our customers, our employees and, and any other stakeholders. And that stakeholder list is growing um, in, in undoubtedly. And of course, that combination is exciting. And that's why certainly it would have been um, at the back of my mind as a you know desire to get to at some stage in my career. But it wasn't something I expected or planned for at that age. Um, you know, my my outlook on work is very simple. I, every role I've ever been in, my sole objective has been to give everything that I can in the best way possible, which, um, and just to be a little bit old school, it, it's really that combination of hard work, luck and opportunity. And it has to be the combination of the three. And that's definitely what happened to me three years ago. And I'm just fortunate to have a shareholder here um, within the Tavistock group that sees age is just a number so that is how it, it happened and um, equally it's important for me at the time it was important to only to recognize that it was my first job as a CEO I definitely wasn't coming into it knowing everything and it would have been um, very naive for me to think that uh, that would be the case but you know we were a team at the time of 250 people so of course uh, in many ways that was daunting and it, it came with a fair amount of imposter syndrome risk and I don't mind saying that, but you know, having had um, the background I did with coming onto the board of Mitchells and Butlers, probably you said age 25, you know, that was the latter half of 2015. And 
I definitely had to encounter resistance from an age point of view at that stage, but equally it was all about having the team around me that gave me the trust and opportunity to, to make a difference where I could. And so that definitely prepared me for, for taking the CEO role, very similar principles. Brilliant. And that hard work, the luck and opportunity as a really powerful combination um, clearly has um, and is boding well in, in the business for you at the moment. Yeah, look, we, we've had a very strong um, year. Well, just 2021 was very strong for us. We had our record new business levels. We had, we'll report record profitability. Um, our customer numbers are, in terms of engagement scores and all the other metrics that go alongside that, are very positive. And our internal staff metrics are are similar so uh, undoubtedly it's not just about my hard work my luck and my opportunities the the you know the whole team and the whole management team that can enable that absolutely absolutely so so moving on then um clearly a very a very full-time position and a very busy role what what part of your day is sacrosanct that you preserve at all costs i definitely don't want to be a walking talking cliche um so i won't say I run a 5k, 10k every morning because I, I don't. But the two, the two key parts of my day that I guess I would say I preserve mostly at all costs. Um, first thing in the morning, um, from reading the news, preparing for the day ahead, my kind of my early morning routine is essentially a rewrite and a reprioritization of my to-do list, and I find that extremely important time. And then the second part of the day would be sometime after dinner to catch up on emails and tasks that would have been missed during the core working day. And I do find those shoulder periods extremely valuable. Um, now I do struggle a little at times, and I'm sure every CEO would say the same to you, that about finding the right balance of how to spend the day and setting aside time for, for thinking is valuable. Um, what we actually do at Ultima is we try and encourage all of our colleagues to set aside um, what we call focus time blocks um, throughout the day, essentially just about preserving time for deep work, not being disturbed by meetings, but also to avoid being overscheduled. I think the, the adjustment from, I guess, March 2020, when everyone went into lockdown and working from home as, as standard, was everything became a Teams meeting or a Zoom meeting. And um, the, the burden that put on people's calendars was was definitely real. And so we We've been quite keen to continue to promote that message that it's important to have breaks in the day for non-work matters and in extreme cases, firefighting as it happens. And so if I think about myself, I, I try and do the same. So it's probably a combination of early morning, something at some stage in the day that is completely blocked and in the evening. But I, I can't pretend that um, I've yet figured out the exact balance that's needed. Um, you know, I often sit back and think, how should I be spending my time as CEO? How do I get the right mix between outward focus and inward focus? And you know, I think it definitely fell into the trap in my very first year of thinking it's just all about um, the number of hours that I can work. And so surely if I'm working more hours than anyone else and anything I could ever dream of, then I'll be given the most productivity. But that's just not correct. It's about how you maximise time, but also enable and empower the teams around you to do what they need to do so that actually the CEO doesn't become the bottleneck in every process and every decision-making tree. 
And I think you make a great point about keeping taking stock of that to make sure that there is good effective time blocks available for that thinking time and the, the outward looking time as well. I think yeah. I think it's all to do, you know, if I go back to your first question, what I often ask myself, and probably not enough, but um, am I using time in a way that is strategic, makes sense, and really fits with the purpose of what a CEO should be doing, or do I have working habits that I need to to revisit? Um, and so it's, it's important to keep reflecting on that principle as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and when you do reflect, what, what's the most challenging event that you've encountered as a CEO? And importantly, what did you learn from it? The most challenging event was undoubtedly through my, my first year. So my remit was essentially to refocus the business and look at where we're successful where we're not so successful where we're making money and where we're not making money and so it was all wrapped up in those first six months of doing doing the role in the first place but what we did in in 2019 was pretty much a wholesale restructuring of of the group and it was refocusing the whole business around a new vision a new mission and and staying true to it so unfortunately that came with um some personnel changes that needed to be made. And, and that was, um, without question, the single most challenging situation I've ever had to encounter in any role, but certainly through the CEO role. Um, what, what did it teach me? Certainly to treat people at all times with empathy and understanding. And, and you know, I can't, would, did we get everything right? I'm, I'm sure not, but there's people's lives that are impacted by decisions that a CEO makes. And that's something that I've, um, definitely wear thick and it's important that decisions are made without um, forgetting that element to it, but also recognising that what we do and what I did was all about making the right decision for the shareholders, the business, the employees, the customers and making sure that everything fits together. So there's a lot I learned from it, um, both from a communication and clarity of communication point of view, but also how um, to make decisions and stick to it and set the business up with a, a clarity of purpose that um, is so important that everything, every single thing we do slots in around our, our values and our strategy. And my job is really just to make sure we're on track for that. And, you know, probably without, um, again, going back into cliche mode, but I think I probably have to, to reference COVID and everything that's thrown up as challenges. Fortunately, we were very well set up with our, business infrastructure to switch to working from home when we needed to. And we're now talking about two years ago, remarkably. Um, but we had everything in place to do that seamlessly. Technology was always at the heart of the business. And so that was actually an easy switch for us where we benefited perhaps compared to other businesses is that we're, we're very distributed around the country. So we have five offices in five cities and our model is to be where our customers are. So we would always have on any given day if everyone was in the office, there would be someone in Bristol talking to someone in Edinburgh who'd be talking to someone in Leeds. You know, it, it, it wasn't as if we were all in the same place at the same time anyway. So our working practice always had to be shaped around getting the best out of what we have. And so actually distributed working via teams or distributed working via an office network is the same thing for us. And so when we think about our future ways of working, the new normal, if everyone still calls it that, it's important that um, we kind of think, well, we can't go back to what we did, but there were some elements of what we had before that absolutely fitted with what we need to do. 
so that was definitely one part of COVID. And then there's definitely the lending aspect of it. You know, what we do is we lend money to small businesses. And so we were accredited under C-bills. We continued to support businesses. And um, there was definitely the benefit of being an independent lender that enabled us to be super flexible with our clients and also with our marketplace um, to stay true to what we were trying to achieve. And I think that prompt proactive approach, and as you say, you know, harnessing technology to make sure that a new set of circumstances can stand up really quickly, clearly sets you in good stead, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So when, when you think about influencing and, and think about in, in your career, who has most influenced the way that you lead? Um, my, my style, my approach as a CEO is... Um, I say it's been influenced by lots of people. What I try and do is take a little bit of something from every meaningful connection and interaction that, that I have. Um, there isn't really one person that I would highlight representing a template I've tried to follow. What I really believe in is um, authenticity. And so simply copying in another individual would be a massive conflict with that. And so um I've been very fortunate in my career to have some great colleagues and managers and you know, never more so than today with some inspirational people within both Ultimate Finance and also the wider Tavistock group to learn from. So it's a combination of everyone. There is no one I would necessarily say is the single main influencer on, on you know, my style as a leader. It's a great point, though, about extracting the best of what we see um, when you think about all of the people that we come across in our day-to-day -day dealings and looking for those great opportunities to, uh, to, to emulate some great things, but, but not the template copying. It is, it's a strong point. Yeah, and so we um, one of the investments that sits within Tavistock and as a shareholder group is in the football industry. So we're also the major shareholder of Spurs. And so we, when I think about leadership, it's also in the context of football managers and players that become managers and what they always say it's important that they they learn from the best of their managers throughout their career and they have to be their own person and I think that's exactly the same way I try and approach things. Yeah, no absolutely but when you think about an effective executive team what do you think is the secret to a truly effective exco? Uh, so it's about being greater than the sum of the parts. And what I mean by that is that you need to have excellent individuals, but you also need the individuals to be able to contribute as a team and the, the outputs of that be greater than any individuals could do themselves. And so we have really focused on, or something I have, building a strong and committed top team because it's so important. And it, it goes back to everything I was saying on, um, you know, being inspired and learning off people within the, within the business and also how we try and approach um, time management because I can't make every decision. I shouldn't be making every decision. And actually the leadership team would almost be redundant if I, if I tried to be that center of everything. And so if I'm trying to spend my time being strategic, it's important that with, with my exec team and others, for the, others in the senior leadership team, it's about creating shared goals, shared priorities and shared strategy. And then collectively we go and execute it. So um, I'm just here to be, the enabler also to create the platform where everyone in my leadership team can um, make their greatest contribution to success but recognizing I don't have the background in every one of the specialist skill sets that they do and so they in many ways will be the very best in their discipline and therefore I should absolutely trust and enable them to 
to make the decisions, make the calls. And of course, with the right checks and balances, but you know, I'm here to, to build and maintain the team and collectively we're, we're stronger together. And I'm, I'm very lucky to have a really great team around me. And that's the key, I think, to everything we're trying to do. It's never because one person as a CEO is, is great or not so great. It's always about the contributions that managers and leaders and the exec code as a whole can, can make. Uh, and the the importance of that empowerment uh, and the opportunity to get great minds around the table as well, you know, to unlock that that magic and that forward thinking piece too. Yeah, so uh, it depends what your priorities are as a business, but we see ourselves as a, a values based business. We are very proud of what we call our people promise, and so from a internal point of view, it's very important that um, there's no chinks in the armor and that the leadership team or the exec team all follow the same principles that are embedded within the business, but then they are the ones accountable essentially for delivering the same ethos through their teams. And so, you know, whilst I may be the, the front of that, it's, you know, everyone has to play their part for it. Absolutely. And when you think about looking forward then, what, what's the biggest change on your horizon? Within our market, in the lending market, it's always evolving because... SMEs, which is our core audience, are always evolving. So we have to make sure that our our processes can keep up with the change in demands of consumers. And while our consumers are businesses, but they obviously takes its lead from what happens in consumer technology as we all become more accustomed to using different types of technology. So it's definitely around that. But in terms of the biggest change, I would say it's probably around the importance of social issues in the workplace and how that translates to future ways of working and what you know everyone's referring to as hybrid styles of working that that's probably the single thing that um is the challenge for every business coming up covid and to get right which is to make sure that all of the cultural aspects of our companies can survive not necessarily being um seen as needed to be in the same place at the same time every single day and so that that's important we spent a lot of time consulting within the business about what what our colleagues want and also what our customers want and how we how we make that balance. And so we're definitely sitting within the hybrid working style. I think it's not going to be easy. We don't have all the answers. I think as long as we keep listening, keep asking the right questions and um, doing that in the right way, they will get to the, right, the best place. But um, it's not going to be straightforward. And then when you combine that with the growing awareness within within the world, certainly within the UK and some of our other companies around the world have got the same thing. You know, employees want their leaders and their, their company to be taking a, a focus on the things that would never become a workplace issue in the past, but, you know, form a core part of our people promise just to show how important it is. Things like EDI, CSR and wellbeing were not necessarily things that five years ago were features of every single workplace, but today it just becomes the hygiene factor. And so that, I think that will continue to be a big change on the horizon, not just for us, but for most companies. Yeah, and, and, and a growing need to be looking at those really important aspects in the communities we serve. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. So finally then, three quick pieces of advice for anyone aspiring to become a CEO. The, the first one would be make sure you take the time and make the time for continuous self-development and um, probably the, the advice would be never under, underestimate the value of staying smart. And what I mean by that is 
reading blogs, reading books, articles, newspapers, and of course, listening to, to podcasts like this and, and many others. So that'd be the first one. The, the second is something that has personally benefited me, and that's having um, a mentor or executive coach. So the CEO role is, is very specialist, and um, nothing really can prepare you for the role other than doing it. And um, you know, I came into the role and I thought, okay, how do I surround myself with people who have done it before? And therefore I can, can learn and use people to bounce off. But actually, every circumstance is different. Um, so it's not a perfect science, but by having a group of mentors and coaches around me, and I always encourage my team to do the same, it really makes a big difference and really can help you with your journey as well as it's the getting there as well as once you, you arrive. And then the third one is, is probably something I, I try and um, abide to as much as possible, which is just be yourself. So be authentic and be transparent. There really is no, no substitute for transparency. And uh, if anything, all the benefits of some of the issues that COVID has thrown up, one is it's forced, I think, most businesses to be over-communicative and you can never be over-communicative, but it feels like it at times. But be transparent and just share what you need to share. Because actually what, what we found is that our colleagues wanted to know how we're doing, our direction. There's obviously some concerns every business was having in the spring of 2020 and it forced us to really up our game and we've stuck at it. And I think, I think they're, the, they're the three pieces of quick advice I would give. Josh, thank you so much for your candid insights and really valuable ideas and reflections. Um, thank you for taking the time to do that. Pleasure. Thank you, Barbara. A fabulous selection of useful insights and recommendations from Josh. The importance of remembering that age is only a number. The importance of surrounding yourself with great people, no matter what stage you're at in your career. Picking out the positive elements that we see in other great leaders and always looking for the opportunities to empower those people around us. Hopefully you've enjoyed this Meet the CEO. So thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a rating and look forward to seeing you next time.